0: Businesses are like, they're like uh, those turkey temperature things where you stick them in in the turkey, in the marketplace, and it tells you what temperature they are. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now, in your earbuds... You are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, hey buddy. happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast. This is where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom in your life. Speaking of personal freedom, it's Mr. Captain Freedom here. The captain, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> a man who prefers his beer like his books. You like Saigon Green and not Saigon Red.
1: Yeah, That's just an, like my soy sauce. Is it is it low sodium? Is that what the Saigon Green is about?
0: Not quite. I think it has something to do with alcohol. Content party on, right? Oh, Uh, yeah, maybe maybe the green version is like we're just getting started, and the red one is like maybe you should stop, bro. Yeah,
1: (laughs) for me, the red one is hangover, the green one is
0: less hangover. That's why I drink it. (laughs) All right, we got a, a couple quick news items. If you guys are not yet on the Twitters, check us out at anything Ian and at tropical MBA. It's a great way to sort of share. Uh, links with each other, and sort of just touch base and stuff like that. Yeah, best way to connect. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of connection, we have a Chicago and an Amsterdam DC events coming up. If you guys are in those metro areas and want to hook up with other DCers, do send us a message on the Twitters or something, and we'll hook you up with the event organizer. DCX, baby. These guys are self-organizing. We got no control, man. (laughs) They're just going and doing it. Uh, Speaking of going and doing it, we got a phone call from Tom. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, this is Tom Slyker from Wagner, South Carolina. I just wanted to say thank you for the podcast. I've enjoyed it so much. I decided to quit my job after 28 years, a two-hour commute every day. And uh, today's my last day. So thank
1: you guys for the encouragement. i looking forward to hitting the ground running as I try to expand my current business, Broad Street Consulting. You guys have been a great encouragement, and I thank you very much.
0: Tom dropping uh the phone call, a little bit of a heart warmer. I gotta Tom, say. That is awesome. Awesome. Uh I think if there were an award for best email of the week, it would be going out to you, Tom. Thanks so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Dave Ramsey style. Keep it up. Absolutely. All right. Um, on to the meat and potatoes, Ian. This one's number 155, The Power of Negative Action. I read this book by Nicholas Nassim Taleb. Aha. Nasim Nicholas Taleb. <laughs> <laughs> The book's called Anti-Fragile. First thing, if you get anything out of this episode, it's that you flip it off right now, you go to audible.com, and you buy Anti-Fragile. That's more important than listening to this episode. <laughs> but if you want to get the Cliff's Notes, Ian and I will deliver the Cliffs Notes for you here. Here's the basic idea. Talib says it's really important to understand the concept, in particular for entrepreneurs, but for anybody interested in health, economy, investing, to understand the concept of Anti-Fragile. And it's even more important because we don't really have a word for it. So Talib right. was so kind as to give us a word. So if you go to the average person and say, what's the opposite of fragile? They're going to say robust, strong, maybe. Yeah, and, and, and we talked about this earlier, but the idea is that it's not really the opposite. The opposite of fragile would be something that benefits from chaos. And small business entrepreneurship Startups are things that could benefit from changing conditions your career your 401k things. We traditionally think as robust are things that would not generally benefit from massive changes, Correct. I mean we all have the example of somebody who has what we would call a robust career or a robust portfolio full of mutual funds or a robust 401k that did not do so well when things changed.
1: I think before we started reading and and learning about anti-fragile, we were doing things in our business to try and make it more robust, right? We were trying to build the walls around our fort to be thicker, right, or around our house to be thicker, so it can withstand as many cannonballs as possible, right? Right. And uh, what we're talking about here is uh, not necessarily building robust balls, but building walls that benefit from cannonballs (laughs) hitting
0: them. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. You know, we've actually made some concrete changes in our business after having read this book. So let's just walk through a quick six-step heuristic, a way that you can consider, are you building an anti-fragile business, something that's going to benefit from the inevitable changes that? the world is going to see and who knows you it looks like the world's changing even faster you know with all this technology coming down the pike and we want to you know be in a secure position that can also give us tons of upside in terms of financial wealth and opportunities and fun yeah buddy all right so here's the six step anti-fragility heuristic and how to implement it and we're going to get to that so first does my action scale are the types of actions that myself and my business taking do they scale So this is the difference between writing a process, a process will scale not only through your employees, but through, you know, um, it's so fascinating to see um, this SOD document that I created for our new business. I've got people now. Now we've got three people in the business and to see the newest uh, employee come in, Kim, to see her executing stuff based on decisions that were made months ago and making great judgments like. Judgments that give us leverage in the business right based on decisions that we made one time and six months ago, right? That's an action that scales blog posts scale, you know um, if you're going to sit down and write your principles in a blog post that could scale over a thousand people, why are you laughing? Let me at give you right an now? example of this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so last night, uh, so we tried to we're, we're starting this new piece of software, right? And uh, we had contacted a guy about a domain, and he wrote me back and said, "Yeah, that domain's available. It's twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote him back. I took like I took like a good five minutes. And I wrote him back, and I was, it was like uh, it said, "Hey, buddy, here's how the internet works these days." Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So this is a totally. This is totally a not, uh, this is not a scalable action, right? What I should have done is I should have taken that information and we should have made a podcast about it because that kind of information scales when it's on the podcast. It doesn't scale when I write this guy in Los Angeles and tell him how the web works, right? It's a total waste of
0: time. Yeah, I love these really high-level things because it simplifies what we look at as very complex things. A career does not scale. A portfolio of small businesses does scale. You know, A blog post does scale. Uh, a client phone call does not scale. So you know, you ask yourself, are your actions, are the actions that you're most focused on, do they have scale to them? All right, number two question you're gonna ask yourself, does it create many options? This is the concept that Talib talks about called optionality, and it's a financial term. It means once you've made your initial investment, which ideally would be low, and we'll get to that, it would open up a broad range of investments or options to you. This is the reason that I did not become a professor. Because once you make that initial investment of getting your PhD, your options are actually very slim. Whereas when you become a business person, you have an incredible amount of optionality. So ask yourself, are you creating actions? Are you doing things in your business regularly that give you tons of options rather than narrowing your options? Right. Number three Ask yourself, does my action exist in a high upside environment? This is the reason that we started the software company. Because, you know, we were getting to that point in our business where we had such a large market share that our actions had diminishing returns. And so we needed to start asking ourselves, we're doing things at scale, like we're creating products, but we're doing those scaled actions in a non-high upside environment. Right.
1: So this is a question that uh, we talk about all the time on this podcast is, is this market big enough? Is it interesting enough for us to participate in? And the answer for us in the past is no. We've picked a couple markets that are very small, and they don't have a high upside. They're, They're not high upside environments for us. We can see what the top looks like, and some of them were at the top. In some of them, and it doesn't scale past that. We have to pivot into something new.
0: Yeah, and even when you look at our growth, like it's like so linear, right? If there was a bum rush and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, portable bars is the most amazing thing on the planet," and everybody came to us, we'd be like, "Well, we don't have the stock because we're moving steel." So this is a difference. If you if you choose to put your TP on steel, you're going to have a, a low com- convexity compared to if you had uh, software, especially at the scale that we're playing at right now. Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, the next question you're gonna ask yourself is Does my action cost me very little of my net worth? And the classic example would be like the over leveraged real estate investor. Or the person who has all of their net savings in a 401k, really, Mark Cuban's investment strategies are very anti-fragile. He says over, well over half of his net worth is in cash, and the reason is is that the biggest opportunities are for him to basically swoop when he sees huge distressed assets, etc. And those are really the incredibly high upside opportunities. And because he's doing it with such a small percentage of his personal wealth, he continues to have the flexibility. So it's interesting, Mark Cuban's. Primary goal is not to outpace inflation. That is a robust strategy to investment. An anti-fragile strategy to investment would be to maintain your flexibility so that you can get yourself involved in extremely high upside environments. And man, this really changes the way we're looking at a lot of our businesses, right? Like rather than preserve what we have, like why don't we Position ourselves to to Realize huge upsides and The cool part about it is that it's not Really necessarily a money thing all the time It's more of a mindset And focus you know you don't want to spend uh, 70 to 80 Percent of your energy and money trying to Outpace a 10 percent inflation Like that's not that that's just a Very linear way to look at the universe And the whole idea is, is like why don't we leverage These chaos to see these incredible upside Opportunities and I don't know it might work out. Let's take a stab at it, right? <laughs> right. You know, one of the things that uh, Felix Dennis says in How to Get Rich is he says, if you, the best way to become rich is to have this mindset that you have nothing to lose. And so he often says that if you're in your mid 20s and you realize that you want to become wealthy, you're in a much better spot in terms of mindset than the person who has more experience and is farther along because they're going to operate as if they have something to lose. In other words, they're going to act robust. Right. And so the person in their 20s is going to make these bets on, on flyers and, and crazy things that have huge upside opportunity. You
1: and I make this joke all the time. It's like, wow, well, I'm, I'm just expecting to wake up tomorrow and have the whole whole thing leveled, right? Yeah. I'm just waking up tomorrow and I'm going to see the inbox and it says game over. Right. And we say, all right, game over. What's next. Right. Uh, we've, we've built a skill Uh, we've configured ourselves to try and make it so that doesn't matter so that we're anti-fragile.
0: Yeah. We're flexible. If one industry goes down, we can take that entrepreneurship skill set and move it into another industry industry. All right. So the final two points are action points. Like how do we implement this kind of stuff? And one of the things I love about the way Talib talks is he talks about the importance of negative actions. So ask yourself, are there any negative actions that you can take to get yourself there? So this is like a really high leverage way of thinking. Like, for example, could you stop buying stuff? Could you stop spending money rather than earning more money? Uh, Could you stop hanging out with vampires? Could you stop eating unhealthy food? Can you start uh firing some of your clients. Could you stop going to your job? Yeah, it's the 80/20 principle. Aren't there things in your life that, you know, just stop doing them? They're they're taking you all the wrong path. You know, it's that if you're spending 70% of your energy managing a portfolio that has limited upside potential, why don't you just stop all that? It's right. very fascinating to me. It's very kind of yeah. That yeah, makes that a lot of sense. Easy. All right. The second question you want to ask yourself is, what is the most elegant way that I can commit to this investment, action, task, or project? And this is we, we kind of call this like the you stir you stir everything up and then you come back in a more elegant way, like elegance of action. And and it's the same thing that Google did with PageRank. John Myers was telling me this story last night. He said, you know, it's amazing that they created a multi-billion, billion, billion, like one of the most valuable companies in the entire history of humankind with one solution. They stepped back from the information problem and said, you know what? We could solve this with a PageRank algorithm one solution. And I often ask myself this question, what is it that's holding us back from this task that we don't have to do in order to launch it? We say this all the time in our business, right? Yeah.
1: So uh, in one of our uh, niches, uh, we were involved in an in organization, kind of like a sanctioning body for for the market, right? And, uh, and that disappeared. And so we we're thinking, well, okay, we're the leader of the industry. How can we kind of recreate that? And so we we figured out a lot of different. Uh, And very robust ways to get into that Well so we'll start an organization We'll basically copy what they did We'll have a treasurer We'll have all this stuff right Yes And uh, it's this very robust Kind of copycat idea But the most elegant way to uh, commit to the investment is to start small for us right so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to send out a video camera to some of our customers they're going to tape record what they think is going on in the industry you know we're going to put it in our newsletter and then if that goes over well then we're going to start building on that so we're not just going to invest all this time and money and effort to try and recreate this thing we're going to slow hand it we're going to do it piece by piece and see if it works out that way uh, like anti-fragile we don't have much to lose right so if the first thing doesn't go well with the video recording then that's
0: fine we'll scrap it. We didn't spend $30,000 to try and get into this. Exactly. I mean, I can think of countless examples. Just one the other day, you know, we had this big mastermind movement going on in the DC where I think like 40 new people are going to get involved in masterminds. Already a lot of people are involved, but now we're starting this new process and we got a bunch of people signed up. And I was like, you know, why aren't we already on the phone with all these people? What's holding us back? And it turns out that we were having trouble scheduling a webinar that was like a training webinar and people like were all around the world. And, and we just sort of sat around as a team and we said, do we need to do that? And the answer was no. In order to achieve the type of result that we want to see, we don't have to do that. But we had injected it. We had made it more complicated. It was not the most elegant solution. So we just deleted it. We said, let's not do that. And now we've shipped. Right. And I think that that's a really cool way to look at your business. Always ask yourself, this isn't about being lazy. It's about putting your energy in the the best places, you know, that have the most upside potential. So that for me, you know, like I know that when you write a blog post, you're not always going to have instant results. But if you're thinking about this in terms of long, long term, sometimes writing that blog post that really moves a concept or moves your marketplace forward is a much better anti-fragile investment. It's a, it has convexity, it has optionality, it has scale, it has everything we're looking for, um, more so than being on the phone with your client all afternoon. And that's a tough decision to make when you don't have the ability to make that kind of investment, right? When you maybe, you know, you've got say a job, or you've got bills, or you've got a mortgage and so you're on the phone with the client all afternoon. But if you take this antifragile strategy, it might inspire you to say, "You know what? I'm going to get I'm going to negative action, no mortgage, no job, no this, no that, no vampires, and I'm going to sit, I'm going to move my marketplace forward with scale, with optionality." But I'm just going to go pick up Antifragile and read it this afternoon. That's <laughs> probably the probably most anti-fragile better. thing that you can do. All right. Let's get moving on to just the tips. Really quick, let me tell you how an SEO consultant can leverage this A lot of people in our community are they're consultants, you know, they're, especially internet marketing consultants. Uh-huh. So what you would ask yourself is, you know, I'm on the phone with my clients all day long, basically Selling my expertise and I'm dousing the business with myself because that's insta value, right. But that's not convex value. That's not scalable value So ask yourself is there a way in which your clients could participate in the same values? We're talking about today. Could they create a more anti-fragile business for themselves? Yes For example, you could provide an auditing service What is an auditing service that would move them one step forward every week in their business What's the price on it? Now, your job goes from being on the horn with the client every day to telling the marketplace about audits, describing your process, moving the whole industry forward. I That's anti-fragile, man. Yeah. All right. Well, a little bit, I think. All right. <laughs> hey, let's talk about George Washington, A Life by Ron Chernow. If you're going to get on audible.com, get anti-fragile, uh, do check out. Uh, this is a new biography of George, relatively new biography of George Washington, and He is such an inspiring character. A man not without his flaws, but... An exceptional personality, an exceptional entrepreneur, and a great story about the formation of a great country. Yeah, looking
1: forward to this one. You just put it on my radar.
0: Yeah, and also, uh, speaking of putting things on people's radars, John Myers is just a magnet for cool, and he uh, is sharing all kinds of interesting information uh, with us. Uh, One of the things I want you guys to take a look at, if you've got some spare time, is this video that Peter Thiel uh, made a speech at South by Southwest about the nature of luck and about how you how the ways in which you can and cannot predict the future and he asked the fundamental question are successful entrepreneurs just lucky Or is there something more to it? And, of course, this is coming from Peter Thiel, the guy who's had, oh, a few successful (laughs) ventures.
1: I think the title is uh, You Are Not a Lottery Ticket. That's right.
0: Hey, speaking of successful ventures, Phoenix just came out with a new record. Thank goodness. This is called Entertainment. We hope we entertained you just a tinge today. And uh, we hope to see you back next Thursday morning. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episodes one through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning.